0: If you have been around here the last few weeks, you know that uh, we've been uh, talking about uh, me, I need to lead, Uh, we've been talking about uh, uh, feelings, you're not the boss of me, if you were here uh, last week, maybe you recognize uh, this grid, and uh, we kind of asked ourselves, uh, where are we now, and we kind of start in our faith, we'll have a finish in our faith, are we uh, leaning to the left or to the right, or are we uh, centered up? And this, the question we want to ask ourselves this morning is Who do I want to be? Who do I want to be? Everybody, let's say that together out lot. Who do I want to be? In order to really understand who you uh, want to be, there's something that we really have to understand before we can even get started understanding who uh, we want to be. And uh, we need to understand this. And um, uh, this is a uh, rubber chicken, and uh, there's the rubber a, a chicken's attempt to fly, and uh, my attempt to catch, and uh, um, but uh, it doesn't fly, and uh, you know why it doesn't fly, it's because it's a rubber chicken, and um, it doesn't have you know wings at work and things like that, but the real reason that uh, it doesn't fly, um, and if I put it right here, you know, and I stay, right? Uh, the real reason that that, that that does that, right, is because of uh, there's a law at work here, right? It is the law of gravity. The law of gravity is at work here with the chicken. You understand uh, the law of gravity, right? This chicken, uh, this chicken never gets to opt out of the law of gravity. You and I don't get to opt out of the law of gravity. We we do not have the ability to say, "I choose not to participate in the law of gravity." We don't we don't get to do that. It just doesn't work. That we we know that it doesn't work that way at all. It doesn't work that way. And so um, Galatians, Galatians tells us about another law. Uh, Galatians chapter six, verse seven, it says this, Galatians chapter six, verse seven says, you will always, everybody say always, always. you will always harvest what you plant. You will always harvest what uh, you plant. You reap what you sow. It's like gravity it is the law of the harvest. The law of the harvest is like the law of gravity. You don't get to opt out and you don't say, I'm not going to participate. You will always harvest what you plant. You will always harvest what you plant. You will always harvest what you plant. Now watch this. We are always planting. We are always planting. You will always harvest what you plant, and we are always planting. Uh, We are planting with our thoughts, we are planting with our time, and we are planting with our words. We are always planting. Rubber chicken doesn't get to opt out of gravity. We don't get to opt out of the law of the harvest. We are always going to harvest what we plant and we are always planting. Question. What are you planting? Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? It's the law of the harvest. It's the law of the harvest. If I plant, if I plant, dig up, see, if I plant in me, if I plant anger, if I plant anger, then I'm going to become alienated. People aren't going to like me. Do you like angry people? Do you know angry people? Maybe you had a boss who was kind of angry and and you encounter them, and you, you're doing everything you can to just kind of keep a distance from them. Before being socially different was ever mm-hmm. even, a distant was in vogue. You, you said that angry person. Maybe you know somebody on social media, and they're just always angry. And so you just kind of like, oh no, you know, you're kind of swipe it. Just kind of keep moving because if we plant anger, we will become alienated. If we plant envy and greed, we will be Discon- discontent will be. Uh, this, but we'll never be satisfied if we plant envy in... Our, are you familiar with this saying? Have you ever heard this in before? Wanting keeps you from enjoying what you have. Wanting keeps you from enjoying what you have. I can, I can go, you know, oh man, I want a new car. I want a new car. I want a car fancier. I want a car, you know, better. I want I want, a, I want a new car. I want a different car. I want a better car. Or I can get the car I have and I can go for a drive on a nice sunny day and just kind of take it all in. Wanting keeps me from enjoying what I have. And so if I am planting envy inside of me, I am going to harvest a discontent. I, I don't get to opt out of that. It's the law of the harvest. If I plant lust in my heart, I'm going to be frustrated. That's the law of diminishing returns. Are so you familiar with the law of diminishing returns? I remember when I was a kid, I would love to go to the amusement park and I would love to go, I couldn't wait to get on the biggest roller coaster they had. And I just loved it. You know, the first time you got to ride that, that roller coaster since last year, it's like, this is the best thing ever, right? And then you go throughout the day and, and then you realize, oh, I like this roller coaster better than that roller coaster. And so I want to ride this roller coaster again. And, and by 10 o'clock at night when they're kind of folding up the park and kind of putting it away, and you kind, of, you kind of walk by that last roller coaster and you see there's not really much in the line. that you want to go ride that roller coaster again? Ah, I think I'm good. It's the law of diminishing returns. And, you know, first time you ever had ice cream, it's like yeah, it's the greatest thing ever. And then you know later on, now that why are there you know 31 flavors? You got to try them all. It's the law of diminishing returns. It just it works that way. When we put lustful things in our, we think this is going to be the high that's going to satisfy forever, but it's just going to leave us frustrated. When we plant revenge inside of us, maybe you had some people come after you or something happened to you and it took credit for your work or whatever it might be. When we plant revenge in our heart, we will harvest bitterness and resentment. and Hate grows in our heart. It's the law of gravity. It's the law of the harvest. We will always harvest what we plant. The opposite is true. When we plant gratitude and thanks, we will have joy and contentment. Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Do you want to be alienated and and do you want to be uh, disconnected and do you want to be frustrated and bitter or do you want to be content? We have to plant gratitude and thanks in our heart. We have to plant encouragement. When we plant encouragement, we have a deeper connection to people uh, that uh, we appreciate. Now listen to this. Yesterday I got a text from some people and, and it, was a very encouraging, it was a very encouraging text. And because I received that text from them, I just had more appreciation for them for reaching out to me. And so if I want to have uh, more uh, joy, well-being. If I'm encouraging to other people, then I know that they're thinking those good thoughts about me, and it just kind of goes around and around. And so, if I plant encouragement, I'll have a deeper connection to people and appreciation for other people. If I plant self control, if I plant self control, I'll have more personal satisfaction in my life. I've shared with you my my struggle. Today is treadmill day. Uh, Today is treadmill day for Steve. And so, um, I can have self control. And I can run on my treadmill and then I will have a sense of satisfaction, a sense of accomplishment. I have done the right thing if I run on the treadmill today. If I don't run on the treadmill today and I plant that inside of me, then I take that satisfaction away from me. So if I plant self-control, then I'll have personal satisfaction, a sense of accomplishment. If I plant joy inside of my heart, I have and then share more joy. It's the law of the harvest. It's the law of the harvest. What I will always, always, always harvest. What I plant. Galatians chapter 5 says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. The sinful nature craves, or wants to do evil. Which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Isn't it true? Isn't life a battle that way? Galatians 5 continues. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts, anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, and parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. We are always planting. Who do you want to be? Who do you want to become? Lord's going to come and lead us in a song. So uh, just a moment, she'll have you stand and we'll sing. So <clears throat> there was a gardener and uh, the gardener had a big bag of seeds and was uh, making their way out to uh, uh, plant these seeds, and the seeds were all in the bag, and they were visiting and talking amongst themselves, and they were very happy to be all together and enjoying their uh, their time together, and then all of a sudden the gardener reaches in and, and grabs a hold of one of the seeds, and uh, the uh, the seed's feeling all alone isolated. It's kind of like, what's going on here? I was just with all of my people, and now I'm, I'm kind of out here and... Uh, uh, I, I feel alone and abandoned. And and uh, no sooner did it begin to feel that way, it realized that it was uh, free flying through the air because the gardener had taken that one seed and tossed it down into a hole. And as the seed was looking up, it uh, realizes it it's down and there's all this black dirt around it it's looking up through the top of this hole and then all of a sudden it sees a, just kind of a flash of a shovel and then all of a sudden something came in upon it and... Oh my goodness! This this smells like something that came out of the back end of a horse. (laughs) I said, "Oh my goodness! What? Here I am in this hole. This this smells horrible. What what is this? It's all over me. It's nasty." And looks up again and just to see another flash of a shovel and a big pile of black dirt just comes and lands right on top of it. Wondering what's going on. A little while ago, I was with all of my friends, and here I am. Uh, surrounded in manure, and I got black dirt that's holding me, pushing me down. And feels kind of a pat, a tap on top as it's tucked into that uh, hole. And just a few minutes later, all of a sudden, it just feels this cold, wet shower come over the top of it as the gardener is there watering the seed that's in the hole. It's confused. Can't figure it out. What's going on? Why me? How did I end up here? A few days go by and it just sort of begins to feel the warmth of sun up above and it cracks open and new life comes forth. New life comes forth. You know, if the gardener would have taken that seed, put on a table, and walked away, nothing would have happened. Question. How is my consistent connection to Jesus? How is my consistent connection to Jesus? I am to be connected Jesus, in the same way that a seed is to be connected to the soil, Jesus illustrates it this way in the book of John chapter 14. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful Unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Connection leads to production. Connection leads to production. Production. Jesus tells a story in the book of Matthew. He says there was a uh, farmer and this farmer's got a bag of seeds and he goes out and he throws some of that seed around. And some of that seed falls on the pathway and some of it falls amongst the rocks and some of it falls amongst the weeds. But according to Jesus in the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus said, Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 130 or 60 and 30 times what was sown. It fell into good, so about a year ago, last fall, uh, I had been kind of trimming up the yard and uh, we had a three-acre yard and there were all kind of brush around and things like that. And, and so I made this big pile of brush in my backyard. and. Um, it was a little bit damp outside, and I went out there and tried to start it and kind of put some newspaper in there and some leaves on that, kind of tried to start it with a lighter, and, and it kind of started, but it just didn't take off like I wanted it to start, and I didn't have any lighter fluid, and I didn't have any diesel fuel, but what I did have uh, was a big can of gasoline, and uh, so... Um, I, uh, I knew that if I were to go out there, and because I tried syrup, I would have taken the can the big can of gas and dump it on there, that would have been a disaster, right? Can't do that. And so I knew I had to put a little bit of gas on there to kind of get it uh, to kind of get it going. And you've done that before. Don't tell me you haven't. Don't act kind of like <laughs> you're already. It's going poof, right? And, and so I need put a little bit of gas on there. And um, uh, don't try this at home. Maybe I shouldn't say that, right? And for those of you watching on the internet, don't try this at home, right? And, uh, and so um, uh, what I did have though, what I did, a big can of gas, and I had a paper cup, and so I, I took some of the gas and I poured it into the paper cup that was out there by the patio, poured it in the paper cup, and then as I started to walk the uh, the paper cup, I thought, you yeah, know, just throw the whole thing on there, right? As I started to walk this uh, across my backyard, I look at the paper cup, and I learned something that day. <laughs> a gas will eat its way through a paper cup. Gas will eat its way through, and this thing's starting to melt and starting to drip, and all of a sudden gas is pouring out of that, and I go, okay, and the fire's going out there. So I begin to run across my backyard with this paper cup as it's dripping gas along the way. Finally, there's a little tiny bit on there, and I thought, well, The fire got going, and eventually it burned down. And then about three days later, I look in my backyard, and there, from where the patio was to where the fire was, there's this little stripe of dead grass that's there. Apparently, the soil doesn't like gasoline. I had introduced a toxin into the soil. I had entered a a toxin into the soil, and all of a sudden, that ground was not going to produce a harvest anymore because there was a toxin in the soil. Is there anything... Toxic killing your soil. Is there anything toxic killing your soil? Scripture talks about sin, having sin in our life. And Rick Warren, he did me this favor. He defined this for me a long time ago. Sin is a lie that I believe. I wrote that, I had that written down for probably 10 years on my marker board in my office, in my old office. Sin is a lie that I believe. I think that that's true. Sin is a lie that I believe. The devil is the father of lies. Sin, uh, think about this. Sin is taking what is good that God has given us and twisted it so the result is the opposite of what it was intended. The devil grabs a whole thing and he switches it all around. And we're all pretty good at leaving just enough toxin in our soil that what we want to grow doesn't grow. However, weeds always seem to find a way to grow. Let me ask you, is there any toxin killing your soil? If we want to be respected by others, am I killing it? Was self-centeredness and pride. We talked about that earlier. Maybe you had a boss that uh, maybe uh, they got a little bit of power, and then it kind of became arrogant, and and then the kind of people and they don't like them anymore because they have uh, We want to be. We want to be respected, but sometimes we allow that sin to live in us of pride and arrogance, and people look at us and say, I can't respect them. They're and there's that toxin that is there. Do do we want to be self-controlled, but we have a toxin there that's killing it of instant gratification? I want I want it now. And Tempted, and that's the way addictions all work. Addictions go right to that place in your brain where you fed yourself and fed yourself for a long time that you need this and you're not going to be able to survive any longer without it. And so you fall for it and you jump into it and you, you dive into it. And do I kill self control in me by having the sin? of instant gratification. Do I desire to be more patient and to have a harvest of patience, but I kill it with the toxin of a hurried spirit? I want it now. Do I desire to be more appreciated, but there's arrogance that's squashing it and choking it out and killing it in me, and I have a lack of humility? Do I want to have more peace And joy, even in the middle of a pandemic, do I want to have more peace and more joy, but I kill it with worry and fear? Am I allowing the toxin of worry and fear? Is there a little dotted line running across the lawn? And you can say, Yep, that's where the toxin is. Do I want to have a good marriage, but I'm too self centered to make that happen? Are there toxins in your soil? Someone said, Sin will make you go further than you wanted to go. Keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And cost you more than you wanted to pay. Sin destroys. I'm going to ask the team to come up. We're going to sing another song. It's going to help us focus. Perhaps the uh, most overarching and overlooked teaching in the Bible is delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. Maybe you recall that... Uh, the nation of Israel uh, was enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. Our nation is, what, 240 years old or something like that? I don't know. And, uh, you know, for, for many of us, in our mind's eye, we can kind of uh, kind of frame that up a little bit. We can say, yeah, I, I you know, I had Parents, grandparents, whatever, you know, World War II, and then uh, we, you know, we kind of know World War I history, and then we know kind of Civil War uh, history, and then we kind of backed that up the Revolutionary War. We can, kind of, we can kind of frame up a couple of hundred years in our, our mind that way, but that's only uh, the nation of Israel was enslaved for 400 years, even though God had promised that he was going to send someone to take them out of their captivity. From the time that God went to Abraham and said, one day, one of your descendants is going to be the Savior, it's 2,000 years. It's been 2,000, over 2,000 years since Jesus walked on the face of the earth. Perhaps one of the most overarching and overlooked messages that we are to pull from Scripture is the idea of delayed gratification. Who do you want to be? What are you planting? You will always harvest what you plant. You will always harvest what that you plant. I going to show you a picture of a flower. Maybe some of you will know immediately what this flower is. <clears throat> um, uh, this is a flower that if you were to plant it, uh, it might take a uh, uh, two to five to seven years before it will bloom. It's one of the largest flowers that it is. And anybody know what that is? Some of you guys already know what it is. That's a That's a corpse flower. That's a corpse flower. And they only bloom maybe every seven years. And uh, if you were to stand next to that flower, it would be about this tall. And uh, a couple of years ago in the uh, Des Moines Arborate, Ar- not, the, what's that called, the big dome with the plants in it? Is that an arboretum? It's no, not an arboretum. It's a, it's a greenhouse, but it's a, maybe it's an arboretum. Well, I don't know, but somebody, I'm distracted. And so anyway, uh, they have one of these things over there. They have one of these things over there, and uh, they were announcing days beforehand that the corpse flower is about to bloom. It had bloomed for seven years. It's about to bloom. Come and you'll be able to watch and see and experience it uh, bloom. And uh, Here's a video, this, isn't the, this is not the video in the Des Moines area, but here's a little bit of an education about the corpse flower. I'm interested to see these stinky corpses smell. <laughs> <laughs> going to this brochure, at stinky plant. We said rotting meat, so I'm going to assume if it's in the room that's called for displaying a Titan arum. Uh, the Latin name for this plant is a Morphophallus titanum. It's a really awesome plant that was first discovered um, to Western science in the late 1800s uh, by an Italian explorer in Sumatra, Indonesia. It's got this crazy disgusting smell. Um, the, uh, in fact, the Indonesian name for the plant directly translates as corpse flower, um, and it smells like a running corpse. So it smells when it blooms like a rotting corpse. So uh, if you have that special, someone that you want to buy a present for. No. um, It smells like a. Can you imagine planting that flower and waiting only to have it bloom and have it smell like a rotting corpse? Do you know that Jesus called some of the Pharisees and some of the Sadducees just that? Do you remember that Jesus said you are like a whitened sepulcher? That means that you are like a polished casket. He says your soul shined up on the outside, but on the inside you smell like dead men's bones, right? Rotting flesh. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, talks about being just the opposite of planting a corpse flower within us and allowing that to bloom. It says, Galatians chapter 5, verse 12, verse 23, it says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, not a corpse flower. It produces in our lives love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Who do you want to be? There is a law of the harvest. We are going to harvest what we plant. Can you imagine if um, you were to take a seed, and you were to put it in the ground, and uh, you were to fertilize it and cover it, you tend to the soil, and you make sure it was broken up a nice loose soil, and uh, you would water it, and maybe you did that in the spring time of the year, and, and then you would kind of sit back, and like many of you do, you have a garden, or maybe you grow tomatoes, or whatever the case might be, and you put it there, and you kind of sit back, and you wait, and, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait all spring, and you kind of halfway into the summer, and you're like, this ain't nothing, absolutely nothing, uh, but you don't give up, uh, you, you come back to that same place. You know you put the seed in the ground. You come back to the same place the next year and all summer long you work the soil and add fertilizer and you continue to water and you work it and you work it and you work it for an entire another year and at the end of the year you look at it, nothing. You don't give up. You go back a third year and you tend to the soil and you water it and you make sure it's got plenty of good bright hot sunlight on it and you look after it and you look after it and you look after it, you look after it for year number three and nothing. So you just say, I'm going to keep going, and and you're number four, you keep working at it, and and, and, and you you just tend to it, and, and nothing. And then you're number five. You tend to it. And then, watch this. change waits another forest inhabitant The taller it grows, the faster its growth rate, so that in a matter of days it towers above the undergrowth and continues reaching for the sky. Not bad for what is essentially a grass. It's bamboo. dominating entire areas. Bamboo forests occur across southwest China all the way to Shanghai. But probably the highest diversity of bamboos in the world is found on the hills and valleys of Yunnan. Chinese bamboo seed is in the ground for five years before it sprouts and then in the matter of six weeks will grow to be 80 feet tall can you imagine from here to the ceiling is about 25 feet double and then add footage in six weeks, after five years of being covered, tended to, looked after, worked done, it'll sprout out and become a giant in the forest in a short amount of time. Maybe you look around and you see other giants of the faith and you think, man, I wish I could be like them. Uh, maybe you think I could never be like them, a giant in the faith, but maybe what you don't know about them is for five years they studied and worked the soil and planted good seed and make sure there were no toxins so that when it's time for them in the right place, when it was just the right time, their faith would be made complete. Jesus said, remain in me. When you want to quit, don't. If you've been planting bad seed, stop. If there's toxin in your soil, work it out. Who do you want to be? Jesus went to the cross that our sins could be taken away. God sent his one and only son to this place to show us how to live. He extends to us grace and mercy and kindness and faithfulness. He extends to us his Holy Spirit to live within us that we might be the people that he calls us to be. And then he says, church, family, when you are together, remember that I was raised up on your behalf. That my body was broken and that my blood was shed for you. We're going to enter now into a time of communion. And maybe you need to do some business with God. You need to reconnect and recommit to growing in faith. Maybe you need to uh, uh, think a little bit about, uh, I need to have a quiet time that I might invest in myself that I might grow. Maybe you know there is toxin there and you want to present that to Jesus and ask him to uh, sterilize that out of your soil so that it can be made right, that you can be the one that Jesus wants you to be. I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, you're free to go and make your way to the communion stations. You know where they are. Enter into a time of communion, and I will conclude our service with prayer. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the gift of your Son. Thank you for giving us nature that we might look at it and... Know that we don't want to uh, be like a corpse flower. We don't want to sting, but we want to grow in you. Father, help us to produce good fruit. Help us to plant well in our lives. Thank you for what you've done for us on the cross. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And amen.